Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Colossians 2. We're going to be looking this week at verses 6 and 7. And last week I started the sermon by talking about uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas, the movie. And so let's take it a different direction this week. It's the third week of Advent. I can't even believe that it is only a week away from Christmas. Maybe you feel that too. Uh, Maybe you feel some pressures from that. But I want to ask a question. Uh, Just by show of hands, you don't have to say anything, but by show of hands, how many of you would consider yourself a Grinch during the season? And just so you know, like, I, if, if there are raised eyebrows next to you, I will count that as a raised hand. So like, <laughs> okay, just, okay. I will confess, I'm, I'm not at all a Grinch or a Scrooge. I love this season. Um, but it is easy to get focused on to-do lists, right? Maybe you don't have to-do lists. It was pretty quiet. It's easy for me to focus on to-do lists, whether that's cleaning or shopping or baking or wrapping or whatever it is. We have things that we want to accomplish by a certain time, and we can get so focused on that that we forget the joy and the thanksgiving in the midst of the season that we are in. And so this text is a wonderful reminder for me personally. I consider myself genuinely a very thankful person. And that's important, but I want my thankfulness rooted in the right thing. It's just a general thankfulness is not necessarily great. I want my thankfulness to be motivated by the right thing. And so in this season of Advent, as we consider that, we remember the coming of Jesus. The advent of Jesus is what gives us hope of true thanks, thanksgiving, true thankfulness. This world is a broken and sinful world needing redemption. And the mystery of God is revealed in the coming of the advent of Jesus. And so let's stand together and follow along as I read Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving let's pray father thank you for your goodness thank you for your grace thank you for jesus we're grateful that we can be gathered together in his name and so we ask for your help that this would be a time where we reflect on your word that we hear that we be hearers of your word right now and doers of your word as we go we pray in christ's name amen go ahead and have a seat the beginning of verse six it says as you received christ jesus the lord christ it's where i want us to focus our attention as we start douglas moo writes this concerning this use of Christ here. It's likely that Paul is not using Christ simply as a proper name here. It carries with it implications of Jesus as the promised deliverer, the king of Old Testament and Jewish expectation. Christ, the promised deliverer, the king of Old Testament and Jewish expectation. The advent 
of Christ, the coming of Jesus to this earth is our hope of thanksgiving. As we can consider Christ, the truth of him, and how he motivates thanksgiving, let's consider this. What Paul is saying in this text and others is that thanksgiving is an essential part of the Christian life. Thanksgiving is an essential part of the Christian life. Whether thanksgiving is expressed in thought or in word or in our actions, it is ultimately an expression of our satisfaction in God, in who He is and in what He has done for us. Thanksgiving is essential because it flows from the understanding that the Lord's steadfast love endures forever. And that his faithfulness is to all generations. And if we're honest, we are not naturally bent toward thanksgiving. We can find reason to complain about almost anything or any situation. The antidote for that is to have our hearts pointed toward Christ, to know him, to remember him. And so let's consider this from Paul that we would be abounding in thanksgiving in three ways. First, be thankful that you have received Christ. Second, be thankful and walk in Christ. And third, be thankful and established in Christ. First, be thankful that you have received Christ. Paul rejoices in verse 5 that they are doing well in their faith, firm in their faith. And now he's urging them to continue. And he describes how, verse 6, be thankful as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. It's a crucial statement for us. You received Christ Jesus as Lord. He's Lord. We've seen already in Colossians, He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the mystery of God. He's the fountain of all wisdom and knowledge. We ought to be thankful in that. He is Lord. He reigns over you. You and I are called to submit completely to Him. But in that call, we know that he's absolutely worthy of our hearts and our submission. He's trustworthy. Paul's saying, remain. Remain in that. I rejoice that you are firm in your faith. So stay there. Keep submitting to him just as you started off. Just as you received him. Have you, ever, have you thought of that What was your heart of submission like when you first received Christ Jesus as Lord? And would you say that it has increased or decreased? Are you abounding in thanksgiving in your submission to him? Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord. Keep living your lives for him, Paul's saying. He's no tyrant. He is Savior. He died for you. 
And receiving him is more than simply just accepting him. It's acknowledging him as Lord of your life, the one who reigns over your life. You consider Paul's concerns for these Colossians and the false teaching that, that he's warning them about. That they would remain safe from spiritual seduction if they continue to walk in submission to Christ as Lord of their life. Are you abounding in thanksgiving that you have received Christ as your Lord, your King? Consider that in two different ways. First, simply in the fact that He came, that God came to earth in the flesh. Jesus came. No matter what you think about God, you have to deal with the fact that even though we rebelled against Him, even though We choose sin again and again. Even though we are far more broken than we can comprehend, God sent His Son. Why? Because He loves us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. To abound in thanksgiving because Christ has come, the promise of salvation, a baby in a manger born to be a king and born to be a savior. Second, abound in thanksgiving if you have received him as your Lord. Romans 10, Paul writes in verses 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. There is nothing in the universe that should ignite genuine thanksgiving in us more than the fact that Christ has come, and Christ is your Lord. So be thankful that you have received Christ. Secondly, be thankful and walk in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Walk in Christ, how? Just as you received Him as Lord. Conduct your lives with thanksgiving as if you are united with him because you are. Is that what what people would conclude by watching your life? Are you abounding in thanksgiving? But in that, are you abounding in thanksgiving in a way that tells a story that you are united with Christ? You think of the story of the birth of Jesus and Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, prophesying in Luke chapter 2. He proclaims that Christ will give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. He'll give light. It's a glorious statement. And if it is true, it looks like something. Receiving light when you sit in darkness does something. At the very core, it gives us thanksgiving. If you saw someone who was stuck, lost, sitting in darkness, and then suddenly they received light and they didn't respond with thanksgiving, you would think something is wrong. Be thankful as you walk in Christ. Let Christ rule your hearts and rule your direction. Let him guide your thinking and direct your conduct. 
And as he does, be thankful. Be thankful. I don't want us to overlook this, this this expression that he adds to the end of this, abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding. If you're not a person who is thankful, pour over this text. Pour over the truth of the gospel. The number of texts that command and assume thanksgiving is astounding. Just two of them, Psalm 50, verse 23, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me, God says. Psalm 69, verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song. I'll magnify him with thanksgiving. Be thankful as you walk in Christ. Third, if you're visiting here, yes, I am finally going through puberty. So, (laughs) my voice doesn't always sound like this. Lastly, be thankful and established in Christ. Be thankful and established in Christ. Verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. How are we to walk in Christ? Rooted, built up in him, established in the faith. Paul uses two pictures for us there to describe how we ought to be. First is rooted. I remember living in the state of Washington each year the tumbleweed would grow, and they have very little root, and so they would dry out quickly. And then the strong winds would come across Washington State, and you'd be driving down the freeway at 65 or 70 miles an hour, and these massive tumbleweed just right in front of you, and it was a blast. (laughs) Carried along by the wind. They didn't have root. That's not what we ought to look like as believers. We ought to be thankfully rooted in Christ. The psalmist in Psalm chapter 1 writes this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You see the contrast that he's making there? The wicked are like those tumbleweed, just blown around because they have no root. They're not grounded. They're not established. That's wickedness. We dare not be that, but with thanksgiving, we're to be like the blessed man in Psalm 1, delighting in the law of God. 
He is like a tree with roots deep into the ground. And what happens when the wind blows against a tree like that? Its branches may sway, but it's secure. It's safe. Be joyful and established like a tree with deep roots in Christ. And the other picture is that of a building. Be, be built up. As we continue to walk in Christ, we're rooted in Him, but we're also being built up in Him and on Him. He is our foundation. Our foundation rests on Christ, and that's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He never changes. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 13 to 14, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. That's the goal, and we're not there yet. We haven't reached the measure of Christ. And so with Thanksgiving, we ought to continue to be built up in Christ. And Paul says, established in the faith, just as you were taught. We're to be grounded in the faith, the faith referring to what we believe, the gospel of Jesus Christ, grounded in that, just as you were taught. We don't move on to deeper truths. We grow and learn more about the gospel. It never contradicts the true gospel. That's what he's fighting against with these Colossians. There are some who are threatening the church in, Col in Colossae, teaching this higher spiritual knowledge. He says, no, be established in the faith. His warning is that they not listen to those who come and say that they have a special revelation or something more, some more insight. Be grounded, be established in the faith just as you were taught. And then those words, abounding, abounding in thanksgiving. It's genuinely how I want to be known. As someone abounding in thanksgiving. Here's just a few things that I found this week in the scriptures, what the Bible tells us that thanksgiving does, and why I believe it's essential in our walk. First of all, thanksgiving glorifies God. Those verses that I read earlier, Psalm 50, verse 23, the one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice glorifies me. A heart of thanksgiving is glorifying to God. It says something about him. Psalm 69, verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song. I'll magnify him, glorify him. I'll magnify him with thanksgiving. We all know that our lives are meant to glorify God. That's why we're here, to magnify him. And a way that we do that is by abounding in thanksgiving, truly abounding in thanksgiving. Are you thankful? Are you truly thankful. Second, thanksgiving guards against the evil of the tongue. You consider what James says about the tongue. It's not, like, encouraging. James 3, 
verses 6 through 12, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, has been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. It's not a really encouraging text. And yet, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. Genuine, true thanksgiving does battle against the evil of the tongue. It wages war on the enemy of the tongue. James is clearly saying that we all battle this. We all do. He says no human can tame the tongue. But the way to fight that, and fight against the evil that it produces, is thanksgiving. Third, thanksgiving fights fear and worry. Maybe, maybe you struggle with fear and anxiety and worry. Paul says to the Philippians in Philippians 4, verse 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. True thanksgiving gives us the right perspective of our circumstances. We all struggle we all struggle with anxiety just on different levels. Some struggle with it greatly. And a way to fight that is with thanksgiving. Coming to the Lord, bringing our concerns to Him with thanksgiving. Oh, that we would let the truth of Christ and the gospel impact our hearts deeply that way. As you received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We're going to go into a time where we take the Lord's Supper together. I want to ask you, are you thankful? True thanksgiving comes when we know and embrace the truth. The truth is that Jesus gave his life so that you would be forgiven and redeemed from all unrighteousness. So that you would be holy and blameless before God. His body was broken and his blood was shed. That is a wonderful, wonderful truth. If you're struggling with being thankful this morning, I want to encourage you to meditate on the truth of the gospel. And I want to say, I've intentionally used that expression, 
over and over and over and over throughout this sermon. But I haven't once said it flippantly. I am not up here saying that you don't have real struggles that fight and steal joy and thanksgiving. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's an antidote. I'm saying there's hope. I'm saying there is truth. There's truth that's far more true than the things that are stealing that thanksgiving away from you. And the hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To consider that God sent his son. God who knew every one of your trials, every one of the things that would happen to you in your life, sent his son to lay down his life. His body was physically broken. His blood was literally poured out for the forgiveness of your sins so that you would become holy and blameless before him. No matter how we feel, holy and blameless. I'm not saying this because I think that you're just going to take the bread and take the cup and go over this text and you're just going to jump up and, and tell people, I'm finally thankful. No, it's a work. It's a work that comes from truth, that comes from the joy of knowing that he paid it all, that our boast is in Christ and Christ alone, not in our circumstances, not in ourselves but in Christ. And so as you hold the bread and you hold the cup, remember, remember the truth of the gospel, that his body was broken and his blood was shed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and thank you for your grace. Thank you for Jesus, our hope, our hope of true thanksgiving. We, we desire to be, as Paul says here, abounding in thanksgiving. As we consider this season that you sent your only son that we would be saved, that we could receive him as Lord. We praise you and we thank you and we know that true joy, true hope, true thanksgiving comes from you. And so we pray that you'd help us in this time as we consider the cross we consider Jesus and his body broken and his blood shed. The truth that you called us to take the bread and take the cup. And as we do that, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That there is more ahead. That he's coming again. We praise you for that in Christ's name. Amen.